John chapter 14, if you'll turn there. And as you're turning there, I just want to echo what I just said on the, on the video that uh, Easter is going to be a great day. To feed 1,600 kids is going to take, it's going to be fun, but it's going to take you. We got to we got to begin praying now what the Lord would have us to do. Like we said, 120 will feed a kid for a year. It's going to cost $192,000 to feed 1,600 kids in, uh, from Easter to next Easter. So really be praying about what the Lord would have you do. We're also believing God for 3,000 people on Easter Sunday, which will be an uh, increase, obviously, from last year. But we'll take everybody's effort, energy. We're going to need you to invite There'll be a clear presentation of the gospel. We, we'll get it ready here. You bring your friends. Uh, we're going to have a, to make room for people, we're going to have a Saturday night service, 6 p.m. So if you're traveling or if you work on Sunday and, and that time works better for you, if you want to come that night and serve on Sunday morning, that's a great opportunity too. And if you're serving on the Easter weekend or if you want to serve on the Easter weekend, we're going to have a team rally, team night on March 27th, I believe, is the day. It's the last Wednesday of March. Is that the 27th or 28th? March 28th, 7 p.m., an hour long. It'll be good. All right? We are in a series entitled, I Am. It's the seven I Am statements that Jesus declared about himself. And, and this is the third time I've preached this, and it, 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 it's been good. But I, I just... If you just hear something that kind of, you know, you can just say, you don't have to say it loud or just shake your head. I preached last service and there was a guy in the back and you don't think I can see you in the back? I, you don't think I can see you? He played with his baby for 40 minutes and I know the baby's cute, but I thought I was cuter. And he just went, I mean, goo, goo, goo. I mean, he was driving me. Everybody in that back section was looking at him and laughing at him. No baby players this morning. I can't take another one. I love babies, but not during my time. <laughs> Is that rude? Obnoxious? No, no, of course it's not. I am statements. Just, stick, just say stick to your script. I am statements. There's seven of them. They're all in the book of John. I, I encourage you to read through John, to read uh, the, uh, the, whole chat, the whole book, 21 chapters. If you read one and a half chapters starting right now, you'll read it through till Easter. If you read three chapters a day, you'll read it twice through Easter, highlight it. One third of the book uh, depicts or covers the last day of Jesus's life. So it's just going to get us ready for what God wants us to do. The sixth I am statement is what we'll talk about today. It's I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. But like uh, every week, uh, I got to get you in the context so that you know what Jesus is talking about. It's in John 14, 6, but in John 13, it's the, good, it's the Last Supper. So Jesus gets all his disciples. There's 12 of them. They get in this room. They're reclining at a table. He, he, he washes their feet. He, he uh, talks about Judas betraying him. He tells Peter that you're going to deny me. And then in John chapter 14, he begins to comfort them. He's been talking to them a lot in the last three years about a new kingdom and what's before them and, and death on the cross. And I don't think they fully got it. They didn't fully comprehend it. They thought Jesus was going to come and overthrow Rome and set up an earthly kingdom. But God was doing something even greater, more powerful than that. He was setting up a heavenly kingdom where all who believed in him could, could spend eternity with him. And, and he gets to this point in John chapter 14 
where, where the crowds are swelling and, and the disciples know that probably something's up. And so he tells them, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Don't fear. Don't fret. I know I've been talking a lot about the future, but, but God's going to be with you. We're going to be okay. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house is many rooms. Everybody, could you just say Father's house? My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So I think heaven gets a bad rap in our culture, in, 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 Western, in the Western church, in Western America. I think we have this idea of heaven being boring and drab and dull and uneventful and, and really lifeless. And, and I think because of that, we lose our motivation to, we lose our motivation to invite 3,000 people on Easter. We lose our motivation to feed 1,600 kids because heaven is not, it's not, it's just another place. In fact, I'm not even sure if it's better than the place that I'm living in now, some people might think or, 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 or imagine. And, and I, I just want to debunk that. I want to say that heaven is going to be far outweigh anything you could think ask or imagine, that, that heaven is not uneventful, it's not born, it's not an uh, angel on a harp playing, an angel on a cloud playing a harp, leading us in worship while we wear these light, long gowns, you know, dancing around the presence of God. It, it's, it is worship, but that's not all there is to worship. People ask me, will my dog be in heaven? Your cat won't, your dog might, your dog might. My dog won't. He's not repented of his sins. He, he is bad dog. He's not going to heaven. In fact, if he does go to heaven, I'll be very disappointed in the grace of God. Some people say, some people say well, if my wife doesn't go to heaven, then I don't know if I want to go there because she's the love of my life and I don't want to, and I, am I going to be married in heaven? Am I going to be married to this woman in heaven? Because if not, I don't know. And then other people say, if I'm going to be married to this woman, I don't know if I that's not you, that you're in the first group. You want to be married. But anyway, I can't answer all your questions, but I can tell you that, that heaven is more than we think. When Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts, he, he, he was preaching about Jesus and preaching that Jesus was the only way. And, 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 and it just was stirring up these religious people and they hated him as much as they hated Jesus. And they went to stone him and they put him in the circle and everybody gathered around him. And they're just hurling these stones at him. And the Bible says he looks up to heaven with a peace and a joy and, a, and an assurance and a confidence in his heart. And he sees Jesus, the Son of God, at the right hand of the Father as the, as the windows of heaven are open for him to see. And as those rocks hit his body and beat him to a, to a bloody pulp, he, he, he again looks in that same direction and says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen got a glimpse of heaven and he wanted to go there because heaven wasn't some... It wasn't some uh, un, un, just a place where nobody wanted to inhabit. It was, a, it was a place of God's glory and God's grace and God's light. You know, Paul, probably the most articulate, greatest writer to ever write a, a book. He wrote a third of the New Testament. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can understand, cannot comprehend what God has in store for those who love us. The, the, the heaven, you know, when the psalmist, 
You know that verse that says, this is the day that the Lord has made? If you'll read the context of that, it's a picture of him walking into the courts of God. He says, the gates of righteousness were opened up for me. And when I got in there, it was so splendid. It was so marvelous. It was so awesome. It was so much more than I ever thought that he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so glad that I said yes to Jesus because now this is my, this is my eternal reward. When Jesus was on the cross, remember that thief was beside him. He said, hey, today will you remember me? And Jesus said, tonight, today, you'll be with me in paradise. You'll be with me in the Father's house. I don't know what you, again, what you think of the Father's house, but it's described by the words paradise. We love, Angie and I love Hilton Head, South Carolina. It's probably our favorite place to go in the summer. We love vacationing there. We love the weather. We love the pace. We love the, the food. I love hanging out with family. There was a time, multiple times, sitting on the beach, reading a book, feeling the breeze, watching the waves crash on the shore, just relaxing, relaxing, just having a good time that I have looked at her and said, it, it can't get any better than this. But I want you to know it can get better than that. That, that is going to be so secondary to what we experience in heaven and what we come to know. Heaven is going to place a place where we'll share with our loved ones. It's a place of comfort and refuge. It's a place of marvelous smells and taste and fine food and interaction and great conversation. It's a place where we will express our gifts and the passions that God has given us. You're, you're not going to not work in heaven. You're, you, work was not work that... Work was not the curse. The curse made work hard, but work was part of of the human race before there was sin. When you get to heaven, you're just going to get a new job description, and your work is not going to be mundane or boring or or futile or or not making a difference. Your work is going to be for the glory of God, and you're going to be doing what God created for you. It's going to be meaningful and purposeful. It's a place of unprecedented heaviness, of freedom and adventure. There's reasons why I have decided to follow Jesus. There's earthly benefits. You know, I say this a lot, but life with Jesus is better. It's, it's, just, it's just better. It's not easier, but it's better. I have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I, you know what I have confidence in? That nothing can separate me from the love of God. Death, nor life, or angels, or demon, or things present, or things to come. Nothing in all creation. I, I have great assurance that if God takes care of the lilies of the field, he's going to take care of me. If he feeds the birds of the air, how much more is he going to provide for for my need. I have great confidence in the fact that if God be for me, who can be against me? Some people say, well, you've missed out on so much because you try to honor Jesus and live for God. You know what I have? I've missed out sitting around some bar trying to drink away my pain. I've missed out on, on, on maybe playing teeing up or even right now on the golf course and, and watching Meet the Press or, or watching the, the reruns of, of UVA getting beat by a number 16 on Friday uh, maybe, maybe, but I get to be with the greatest people in all the world, worshiping and going after and loving on Jesus and serving him. Friend, I, I don't think I've missed, I, I love Jesus. I want to serve Jesus because of the earthly rewards, because of the peace and the joy and the hope that I have. But even greater than that is the eternal reward. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. One day I'm going to breathe my last, and that's the last of my life on this earth, but it's not the last of me. It's just a transition to my next place, 
And man, I, want, I don't want to just make heaven. I want to bust heaven wide open. I want, to, I want to hear, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to, you know why? Because we were made for a person and a place. The person is Jesus and the place is heaven. That's what we have been created for. And I want us to get excited about the place that Jesus is getting in store for us. He, he, he goes on to say, and if I go and prepare a place for you, which I'm doing, not boring, drab, uneventful, predictable, no, adventurous, awesome, incredible, more than anything you could ever hope, think, or imagine. If I go and prepare that place, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me, that you all also may be where I am. And, and he, you, you know, in the Bible, just let me read you some facts. One out of 30 verses in the Bible talk about the second coming or the end times, Jesus coming back. 216 chapters in the, in the New Testament, 300 references. 23 of the 27 New Testament books talk about the return of Christ. The book of Revelation is dedicated to the topic. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives us some signs. It's birth pangs. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's things that will help us discern, is Christ coming back? Is the culture time? Is the prime pump? Are things ready for the return of Christ? This is, what, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Right before my return, there will be wars and rumors of wars. As I read these, I want you to think about, are we in that kind of setting? There will be an increase in lawlessness, an increase in violence and, 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 and killings and death. I, I read this week where a mom left her children at home. She drugged them, left them at home for three hours so she could go tanning and go do CrossFit. That you say, well, that's just a stupid mom. No, I would say that's an increase in lawlessness. There, there is just this thing that people aren't discerning right, right from wrong, wrong from right. There's an increase, in, in, and you, you, you don't have to, unless you've got a head in the sand, you can see it. Earthquakes, there will be. The top five, the, the five most intense earthquakes in all of recorded history have happened since 1900. They, they, they did a study on earthquakes seven or higher on, the, on that scale that they talk about earthquakes. From the time of Jesus through the 1800s, there were, set, there were 11 earthquakes, seven or higher. In 1900, there were 10. In 2008, there were 12. In 2009, there were 16. Almost double the number of high, powerful earthquakes in one year besides before, between Jesus' birth and the 1800s. In 1917, there were 32 recorded earthquakes. In 2017, there were 125 recorded earthquakes. There will be an increase in knowledge and travel. There will be persecution in the church. According to the World Evangelical Alliance, over 200 million Christians and at least 60 countries are denied their fundamental human rights solely because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It is, it is predicted that by 2025, 210,000 Christians will be martyred annually. Jesus said, before I return, before I come back to get you to this place that I'm preparing for you, that, that the gospel will be preached to every nation, that, er, that people groups will be given a chance to respond to the grace of Jesus. Do you know today, today, 170,000 full copies of the Bible have been distributed. Just like yesterday and the day before that 
and tomorrow and the next day. There are enough Bibles in circulation right now for every human on this planet to have a copy. We used to have to build Bible schools to train leaders. Now we have Bible chips where they can do it and just all they need is a computer. Just several years ago, three million believers paraded through San Pablo, Brazil in the world's largest march for Jesus. The numbers of believers has grown from 1.3 million in 40 years ago to over 11 million today. No Christian was officially allowed to live in Nepal until 1960. Now there's a church in every one of the 75 districts of Nepal, which estimates over half a million believers. Another, uh, uh, almost 500 Muslims come to faith in Christ every month in Iran, in spite of it being one of the top persecuted nations in the world. Every day, 20,000 Africans come to Christ. In 1910, Africa was 3% Christian. Today, it's over 50% Christian. In 1900, Korea had no Protestant church, and the country was deemed impossible to penetrate. Today, Korea is 30% Christian with 7,000 churches in Seoul alone, and several of those churches have over a million believers. Jesus said, I'm going to come back. Here's the signs. And it appears that the signs are ready, the, 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 the atmosphere has been set, that Jesus could come back every day. Here's what he told, Peter told his audience, with the Lord, well, why hasn't he? Well, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And the Lord's not slow concerning his promises. He's been promising his return for 2,000 years. That seems like forever. I don't think it's going to happen. He's not slow as some men understand slowness. Here's the reason he hasn't returned is because he's patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I, I, I get this picture of God the Father seated on his throne, Jesus, the Son of God, beside him, saying, okay, okay, God, you ready? It's time to go. The lawlessness, the persecution, the, 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 evan- the evangelism that's taking place, all that's happening, it's time. Let me go. And God says, hold, hold on. One. There's one more that comes to, needs to come to know Jesus. There's one more person that needs to repent. There's one more person that needs to turn their faith into the Son of God. There's one more person that needs to say yes to Jesus. But I'm confident that that one person is coming soon. And according to 1 Thessalonians, that when Jesus, when God looks at Jesus, he's going to say it's time. And the Lord himself will come with a shout, with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who remain will be caught up in the Lord and to meet the Lord in the air. And we will be with the Lord The time, the time is coming. And so, and so Peter said, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. And speed, it's coming. I think we've gotten so comfortable and so satisfied and so connected and our heels are so dug in that we can't say this with integrity. We can't say, like John said in the book of Revelation where he got a picture of heaven and he declared, Jesus, will you come quickly? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
I don't think. And that's the attitude. That's the mindset. When we live in that, in that framework, we, we live with a passion. We live with a purpose. We live with a, with a motivation. We live with a sense of urgency. And I'm not sure the American church is living in that mindset where maybe we think we got plenty of time or maybe we think heaven's not as grand as it's made out to be or or maybe the Lord's been saying it for years. I'm telling you, Jesus declared in John chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. You don't have to stress over. You don't have to fear it. I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place in the father's house, I'm going to come back and get you. I want to I want to take you with me. And and Thomas responded. Jesus said it again. You know the way to the place we're going. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Remember the content, heaven, Father's house. Thomas said to him, I mean, don't you, don't you love Thomas? Because, I mean, I can identify with Thomas. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. I just told you where I was going. Thomas, do you got ADD? What? Are you not listening? Are you back in the back playing with some baby and messing everybody up? Look, Thomas, what are you doing? What do you mean you don't know? I've been telling you for three years where I'm going. So how can we, Thomas said, if we don't even know where, how do we know the way? Just two chapters earlier, Jesus said, I'm the door, I'm the gate. There's a sheepfold and I'm the way through that through that door. I'm the way to get in. I'm the way to get out. You come in, you're safe. You go out and you find pasture. I mean, he's been this dialogue. It's all been about I'm the way. And, and Thomas goes, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way you're going. Not only doubting Thomas, stupid Thomas. What? Thomas, what are you thinking? And I'm not Jesus because I would have rebuked him. Jesus just said, I, Thomas, 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 listen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was making it clear there's only one way to God. And it goes through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way. You remember when Peter and John were going to the temple to pray in Acts chapter 3, and and they looked down at that lame beggar and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he he was instantly healed and body strengthened and life touched. And the Bible said that Peter got up to preach before the people that had drawn a crowd. And you know what his message was? There is salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. You know what Peter was saying? Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to the Father except through him. Paul was teaching Timothy and getting him ready to do his ministry. And Paul said, there is one mediator between God and man. There's one. There's not multiple paths. There's There's not many ways. There's not many. There's one. It's the man, Christ Jesus. You know what Paul was declaring? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You, you say, well, pastor, that sounds so ex- exclusive. It sounds so intolerant, so narrow-minded, so bigoted. That's why people are so mad at Christians today, because we declare we have the only way, that we got a market on heaven, that we're the only ones that know. Do you know, if you, if you Googled religions, you'll come, there will be 37,000 different religions, 37 different paths to get to God. And Jesus never said, I'm one of the paths, I'm the best path. He never said, I'm the best path. He said, I'm the only path. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is impossible for all religions to be right. 
because they are at their core mutually exclusive. If reincarnation is true, then, then heaven with God is false. If salvation is by good works, then Christ's sacrifice was for all. Not if sincerity is the means to receiving eternal life, then Christ's sacrifice isn't. If the Quran is the word of God, then the Bible is not. If Buddha declared truth, then Jesus cannot declare truth as well. There, there's a story in the Buddhist Bible. It's the same story that's found in our Bible about the prodigal son. The wayward son receives his inheritance. He goes off to a land. He squanders his wealth with, with, with wild living. He ends up in a pig pen and he returns back to the father. In the Buddhist Bible, he is, he is made to be a servant for years, to pay off his debt, to pay off his sin, to make right the atrocity that he caused to the family. In the Christian Bible, in the Bible that we study, the father is patiently and prayerfully waiting for the return of the son. And when the son crests the hill, uh, walking towards the house, the, the daddy jumps off the porch and he runs to meet him. And, and he doesn't say, oh, what a bad guy you've been and how terrible you are. I, I made a bed for you out back. No, he got the robe and he got the ring and he killed the fatted calf and he, and he took everybody to Outback and they celebrated that my son was once lost, but now he's found. Listen, in Islam, they want you to give your son. In Christianity, God gave his son. They both can't be right. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come through the Father except through me. Jesus was in Gethsemane, and he was praying to the Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, I'm not tickled about going to the cross. I don't want to bear, I don't want, to, I don't want you to forsake me. I'm not looking forward to the pain and the shame and, the, and to the weight of the sins of the world. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He was listening to, to the answer of God. You know what God responded to him? Jesus, you're the only way. There's no other way. Salvation is found in no one else. I don't know if you saw the drummer this morning behind the shield, but our drummer today was Austin Walker. It's Trevor's oldest son. And if you stay somewhere long enough, you get to see babies become drummers, which is an amazing thing. And so, I, I, you know, I know Austin's like 15 now, but I still see him as, as little. And when he was born, he was born with jaundice. And jaundice is not a big deal if you, if you treat it right, you take care of it. But his skin was a little orange, yellow. His eyes were, you know, the whites were not white. And, and it's not, again, it's not a, I mean, it's very treatable if you treat it. And they went to the doctor, and the doctor gave them this, this light that, that they were to put beside him when he slept, to put beside him in the car seat. And the light would stimulate his liver, and it would cause his body to return to its proper color and his eyes to become white. And, and that's that, not a big deal. And you know what Trevor and Jenny could have said? Uh, we, we, we're not going to do that. We think if we just scrub him, if we dip him in bleach, if, then we can, get, we can take care of the yellow. We can take care of the jaundice. And, and you know, the doctor would have said, you're not only going to keep him from getting healed of the jaundice, you're going to cause more problems if you do that. You know what they could have said? Well, we don't believe it's jaundice. We just believe it's some kind of skin discoloration, and we'll just feed him the right food. Hey, doc, you have your conviction, and we'll hold to ours. Your conviction, it's jaundice, our conviction that it's everything's going to work out. And, and if they would have done that, I mean, again, they could have caused more problem and more issues 
for, for, little, for, little, for little Austin. But, but they didn't do that. They trusted the doctor. They took the light. They put it in his crib. And sure enough, just after, I mean, a few days with that light stimulating the liver, everything was back to normal. Everything was right. Every, everything was okay. Would you say, is it, would it have been intolerant or narrow-minded or arrogant for them to take the one cure and, and use the light to, to bring health to Austin? No, they, they would have jumped on that. Can, can I just translate that to saying that, that we all have a sickness, we all have an illness, and it's called sin, and we can try to scrub it away with our good deeds, and we can try to ignore our sin and help, hope it doesn't matter. We can sincerely seek another way, and we can be sincerely wrong, or we can trust Jesus to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here, here's the deal. Salvation is found in no one else. It's not found in Buddha or Muhammad. It's not found in Joseph Smith or Mary Baker Eddy. It's not found in Ron, L. Ron Hubbard or Gandhi or Abraham or the Pope. It's not found in Mother Mary. It's not found in the da- Dalai Lama. Salvation is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. When he declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Here, here, here's, here's what he said in Matthew's gospel. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Many paths, many opportunities. There's a broad way. There's 37,000 ways to get to God. And many enter through those. But the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are only a few who find it. I, I, I don't want you to be like Thomas today. I want to give a clear. I, I thought I'd use this. This board right here to to just summarize and articulate what I've just kind of said. I want to give you a clear presentation of the gospel. So you can't, like Thomas said, we don't know the way, we don't know the where, we don't know the how. I I want you to follow along with me and and just be amazed at my artistic ability and my penmanship because it is going to blow your mind. Here's how I would illustrate it. There, There is a... There's a gulf, there's a, there's a chasm between man and God. See that? Aren't you already impressed? Let me draw it for you. Man and God. And there's a separation. Isaiah 57 says that our sin separates us. Isaiah 59. That our sin separates us from God. That because of our sin, that we can't get to God. We, we can't. He's holy, he's right, he's just. We're not. Man has a problem. I just said it, but let me reify. Number one is sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've sinned. I've sinned. No, I haven't sinned. Yes, you have. You've said something you shouldn't have said. You did something you shouldn't have done. You've sinned. The wages of that sin, the payment for that sin, the paycheck for that sin, the Bible says is death. The wages of sin is death. If we die in our sin, we're going to die. And you know what? You know where that's going to be found out? Because we're going to be faced. We're going to have a judgment. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 27. It is destined for man to die and then face judgment. And if we face judgment and we're in sin, we're going to die. You know, God has a plan. You know what his ultimate plan for us is? Relationship. 
He just wants to walk with us and talk with us and share with us. He wants to do life with you. He, he wants to come alongside you. He, he wants to be with you forever. He so longs to be in connection and relationship with his, with his children. And you know what the other word, I think, sums everything up? God's plan for our life? It's life. He wants us to experience life. Abundant life on earth. Remember John 10.10? 10? I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And also eternal life. That's his hope for us. That's what he wants for us. That's his plan for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, so how are we going to get, how is man with this problem going to get to God's plan? And you know what we try? Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Religion says, I'll work hard. You know what working hard does? It falls short. Religion says, I'll be good. I'll be better than my neighbor. I'll do some kind things. I'll work in the nursery. I'll give in the church. I'll help feed 1,600 kids. I'll, I'll invite somebody to Easter. It's all, it's all works-based, and it's all our attempt to get to God. But Ephesians, not, Ephesians says, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift of God, not of works, so no man can boast. So we got this problem, this gulf, this, 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 this chasm we can't get through, and our good works won't satisfy. And so God in his goodness sent his son, Jesus. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Some people say, man, that's so narrow-minded. What do you mean Jesus is the only way? You know what I'm thankful for? I'm just thankful God made a way. I'm just grateful that Jesus was willing to come, that God was willing to surrender, that the Holy Spirit was able to speak to my heart. And I don't know about multiple ways. I'm thankful God gave a way because he's the way. And you know what John 5, 24 says? It says, if you hear my words, hear. And that's what I've tried to tell you this morning. You've heard it. There's no excuse. No doubting Thomases. No, no Thomases. You, you've heard the gospel presented to you today. But it doesn't stop there. If you hear my words and believe in the one who sent me, you will not be condemned. Did I spell believe wrong? Don't worry about that. You just, just believe. <laughs> and it's not believe like, oh, I just believe. No, it's belief that results in action. It's belief that results in obedience. It's a belief that says, God, you paid for my sin. God, you gave my, your life. Jesus, you resurrected from the grave. And if you thought I was worth dying for, you're worth living for. Belief goes beyond the mental, and, it, and it's lived out practically. I want to follow. I'm choosing to serve. I want to go after you. If you hear and you believe, you, have, you will not be condemned. You have crossed over, John 5, 24 says, from death to life. From abundant life, not easy life. Not, not everything's going to turn out perfect life. But a life in the midst of the storm that you got a peace that passes all understanding. A life in a terrible situation where you got strength because of God's joy. And ultimately, eternal life. Where you spend your, your eternity not in a boring, drab, 
an unpurposeful, meaningless place, but a place that's filled with the presence of God, where you're celebrating and working and enjoying and walking and, and, and experiencing all that God initially had in mind for us. But, he, but here's the deal. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Amen, everybody. Stand to your feet with me, will you? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. And I, I pray right now in Jesus' name that, that you'll just begin to do what only you can do. Lord, take your word and implode it on the hearts of your people. Maybe you're here today and you've tried other ways. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you've, you've not allowed Jesus to be the one who forgives you and the one who leads you. You've heard, but your belief has not led to obedience or to actions. And today you want to put your faith in Christ. You, you, want, you, want, to, you want to say yes to Jesus. You want to go the path that he has laid out for you. You, you want your sins forgiven and you want a leader for your life. If I were to ask you this question, if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? If Jesus were to come back right now, would you go with him? If you can't answer that confidently, I want you to be able to. You can accept Christ today. Pastor, will you, will you pray for me? Will you lead me? I need Jesus. Will you lift up your hand? Do it really quick. I need Jesus today. Thank you. You can put it right back down. Thank you, girls over here. Thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Will you raise your hand really high? I've drifted. I've gone another path. I've either walked away from the Lord and put it right back down. Thanks, bro. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Anybody in the balcony? Thanks. Put it down. I need Jesus today. Amen. For those that raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. I say this every week, just about. This prayer is not the end, it's the beginning. It, it's, like, it's like you're walking. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the prodigal son. It's like you're walking over the hill, and the father's running to embrace you. And this is, this is, what, this is what I'd say to him. I'd say, and I want everybody to say this with me for the sake of these five or six that raise their hand. Will you just say, Lord Jesus, I realize today that you're the way. I accept your sacrifice. I accept your will. I invite you to forgive me. I ask you to lead me. This morning, I give you my life. I surrender my will. I've heard the gospel. I believe the gospel. And I want to follow Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for those that said yes to the Lord today that that you'll begin to grow them and help them in Jesus' name. That you'll minister to them. Look up here at me, everybody, will you? You know what the Bible says? We're going to baptize some people. I don't, I don't encourage you to go. I think there's like seven or eight. That are going to, it's going to be great celebration. But you that raised your hand, the Bible never said go and make converts. He never said, hey, Stan, I just want you to go out and, and all your job is is just get people to raise their hand. You know what he said? Go and make what? Disciples. Go and make followers of Jesus. It would be to your detriment and to my, to my hurt 
that you just raised your hand, but you went out and lived your life and did whatever you wanted to do. That, that's not what God has in mind or in store for you. We want to help you, but we can only help those who, who reach out. At the end of this service, can I encourage you? You said yes to Jesus. There will be people up here that you can come and, and, to conf- and just say, hey, I just want you to know I gave, Jesus, I gave my life to Jesus today. They're just going to pray with you, put some things in your hand. We, 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 we want to do this today, today too. If you said yes to Jesus, just get your smartphone and type, dial, or put in, and text it, 797979, and text the word decide. When you text the word decide, it is going to start a process that's going to help us disciple you and move you along in your spiritual journey. You'll get some some Bible resources. You'll get a playlist of of songs that we sing every Sunday that you can put on your phone and and you can be listening to. We'll give you some next steps. It'll give you a, 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 a person to reach out to where we can connect you with to help you move along in what Christ wants for you. We're excited about your future. It's a partnership. We want to walk with you as you walk with God. Amen, everybody. Can, can, you just, can you give the Lord a hand clap for not just converts today, but for people that are going to begin to follow the Lord in discipleship? Amen. Amen.